Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Roy Biancolana, and today we are diving into the deep end of the pool. We're going to talk about a very complex issue and one that is very close to the heart. We're going to talk about learning to trust again. And because we're talking about learning to trust, it really occurs in a larger conversation about the past, correct? Because little babies don't need to learn how to trust again, right? Because they really haven't been hurt. (laughs) But everybody else has been hurt to one degree or another. And that's something that we should point out here right from the very beginning. There are some people who are fortunate in the sense that their past has not been that painful. Or at least is not as painful as some, right? Some people have had real trauma. Um, I mean, relationship trauma. Some have grown up where in their early childhood, there, there was addiction all around them. Or some have grown up and been abandoned by the people closest to them. Or have even been abused, right? And then there's others that have gone through, you know, adolescence and their young adult years and even their adult years, and they've been betrayed or deceived, lied to, ghosted, gaslighted. Okay, so so we all exist on a spectrum of pain from very little to, you know, nightmarish, horrible experiences. So I just want to acknowledge that. I don't know where you are on that spectrum But here's the thing, and I think you know this. At some point, if you wanna, if you wanna open your heart, well, I should say, if you, if you want to have a healthy, sustainable relationship, you sort of have to learn how to trust again. You have to let go of the past, at least enough to meet this next person with an open, available heart, right? At at some point, you got to do the work to where you can meet a new person and you're not going to get into a menage a trois from hell. (laughs) You know what I mean by that? (laughs) I mean, it's you, it's them, and your past. And the three of you are in a relationship together. Do you know what I mean by that? It's like your past is alive. You know, it's, it's, you have trust issues. You, you, that pain is there and it, it can come in between you and the other person. And, and it can really sabotage your ability to just have an open heart, to be truly emotionally available. It can, it, it, it causes us to project things onto our partners, to be suspicious, to be guarded, to, you know, to, to, to sometimes to need a sense of reassurance because we've been hurt and, and, and been made to feel unwanted or unlovable or not good enough. And so then we're looking for partners maybe to reassure us and help us to feel secure. You know, the past can bring up, you know, jealousy issues that we deal with and and all of that, right? So you know all this, right? So so the conversation about the past is really quite a big one. In fact, in my book, Relationship Boot Camp, I spend like six chapters on the past. And I sort of divide it up into like three areas you've got to look at, you know, um, if you want to sort of let go of the past and be able to be present now and create something healthy and sustainable. Um, and the first is you have to learn from what happened in the past. You, you, you have to learn 
about blame and responsibility. You, you know, you need to learn about what other people did and what your part was. And there's a lot of investigation in, in letting go of the past. There's a lot of looking back and becoming more and more self-aware as to what happened and how it happened. Because, you know, the old saying, if you don't learn from the past, you're destined to repeat it. So one of the first ways you get over the past is by going back and learning the lessons, seeing what you missed, seeing what you can change about yourself, seeing what you maybe overlooked, seeing maybe you ignored red flags or yellow flags, or for some reason you let your loneliness keep your eyes blinded to things or whatever it might be. So that's a big part of the past is about learning from it. We're not talking about that today. Okay. The second part would be to let go of all the kind of the emotional residue, right? All the emotional thickness and stickiness and garbage, right? The bitterness, the anger, um, all of all of the emotional stuff, right? I mean, that's the part, you know, where we need to talk about regret and forgiveness, right? Huge topics. I mean, to talk about forgiveness in the context of when we've been hurt in the past, you know, even the idea of forgiveness can be brutal because most people really understand and misunderstand what forgiveness is. You know, they, they think it's like letting somebody off the hook or not holding them responsible for their actions. And it doesn't mean any of that. But the emotional residue from the past, you've, you've got to let go of that. Otherwise, you carry the bitterness and the anger uh, with you, right? And then you're, then, yeah, then you're just going through life. You know, the, the, the scars are fresh. The wounds are fresh. The, and it's just really difficult to relate with someone who is bitter and resentful and angry and all of that, right? Okay. And then the last part, um, you know, would be to learn how to trust again. And that's the focus of what I want to talk about today. I want to just jump ahead and just have a conversation about trust. And I want to give you some ideas about it for you to consider Right, and it's not going to solve all the issues about your past. It's it's not going to be the end all, be all conversation. But I want to expose you to some ways of understanding trust and how you can learn to trust again, no matter what your past has been like. Okay, so this is going to be kind of a we're going to talk about one dimension of letting go of the past, which is learning to trust again. But let me just read you a quote in my book. I quote Michael Singer, you know, he's my favorite spiritual teacher. And he has a quote about the past that is funny, but so poignant and so true. He said, holding on to the past is like eating a meal that made you violently sick. And then asking for a doggy bag so that you can take it home and eat it again and again. I save all the spoiled food and taste a little bit of it every day. That's how we deal with the past. (laughs) In other words, he's talking about how the past is not something that simply happened as horrible as it might be. It's not something that happened. It's something that's happening Right? It's still alive. It's still here. It might have been five years ago. It might have been 25 years ago. But it's like it's still happening. It's like we're still eating the food that made us sick. It's really not in the past. right? It, if the past was the past, well, it really wouldn't be a problem. It, it's really that the past is the present. Like it's here. It's now. It's with me. It's alive. It's my baggage. And I bring it with me and it's in between me and the next person that I might meet or it's in between me and the person that I'm seeing right now. Because the past can be alive in married people. You can be married for 5, 10, 20 years and your past, you could still be in a menage a trois from hell, 
even though you've been married forever, because your past can be alive and it can be, you know, between you and your partner and be causing all kinds of difficulties. Okay, so this is really not just a discussion about, you know, single people and how the past can really affect us. It, it um, it's for everyone. So we all know that in an ideal world, if you want to have a healthy, beautiful, sustainable relationship, you have to begin it with a clean emotional slate, right? You got to be able to next to approach the next relationship with this open, available heart. And so that means learning from the past. That means letting go of the emotional residue so, so that the past is not something that's happening. It's just something that happened. Um, you know, you're wiser from the past, but you're not walled off because of it. Okay, so a truly untethered soul is one that is available, not guarded, vulnerable, not defended, receptive, not suspicious, right? But the scars are real, aren't they? I mean, we we can talk mamby-pamby. We can talk, you know, in all kinds of esoteric, spiritual, nice-sounding ideas, but there's no denying that our hearts were broken. And we do understand that we need a clean emotional slate. How are we ever supposed to trust again? I mean, even if we take responsibility for how, you know, for our part and how the past was created. And even if we release all that blame and bitterness and anger and resentment. How are we really supposed to open our hearts and trust again when we are terrified that we'll just be hurt again? Right? That's the question. And the answer is, it depends on what you're trusting in. So yes, an untethered soul, untethered from the past, an untethered from soul is a trusting soul. But where is the trust placed? What are we trusting in? Now, I'm going to suggest to you that there are three options about where we place our trust. Three very different options about trust. And they actually are, they turn out to be stages of our spiritual development. So stage one is kind of like the normal conventional stage of dealing with trust issues. And then there's stage two, which is deeper, more evolved. And then there's the highest place, right? So I want to talk to you about these three stages. And I don't want to describe them as if they are clean cut. Like in this moment, you're in stage one and then something happens, you're in stage two and you're never going to go back to stage one or something. They are stages, but they you should understand them that depending on situations, you can jump around from any stage at any time, right? You, you, you can be in those grounded place in terms of trust and then something triggers you and, you know, and you're back in kind of a stage one moment, okay? So they're not like permanent stages. It's, it's almost like a child grows up, you know, a little baby just starts to learn how to crawl, you know, and then the baby learns how to walk and then how to run and then maybe how to dance, Okay, that's kind of the evolution of the first, I don't know, 18 years of life. It's rare when you're 18 that you go back to crawling. You know, I mean, you could crawl. <laughs> Maybe you drink enough one time and you're crawling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a little humor there for you. But you, you get my drift. It's like, it's not that you can't ever crawl again. It's just you sort of evolve beyond it. And it, it's, it doesn't come up as much. You're at a different stage once you learn how to walk and how to run or how to dance, right? It's sort of like that with these stages. You can always, in any moment, you can have moments where you're in any stage, but you can look in general in your life and you can identify, oh, I'm a stage one person when it comes to trust. 
or I'm a stage two person when it comes to trust, or I'm a stage three person. Because there are clear evidences as to where you are in terms of trust. Now, the other thing I've got to say about these things is, yes, each stage is a deeper recognition of spiritual reality. Each stage is a stage of growth. But there's there's nothing bad about stage one. There's nothing wrong. There's, you're not evil, right? You're going to find here that about 95% of people on the planet, maybe even more than that, are stage one people in regards to trust. And they always have been and they always will be. So it's not bad. It's not wrong. There's nothing evil about it. You're, you're, you're not like, oh, I'm immature or something. No. So I really want to make sure that you're not hearing that stage one or stage two is negative or there's any negativity about it. It's, it's just where you are. It's just how you see life. Okay? Now, with each stage, there, there is a different there are, is less and less drama, I guess you could say. When you're in stage one in regards to trust, you're never going to feel very secure. And I'll get into that in a minute. But you won't feel very secure. And there's going to be quite a bit of drama. Okay, Stage two, there's far less drama. And in stage three, there's no drama at all, ever. Okay, So these are big evolutionary jumps in our perspectives and how we see ourselves, how we see others, how we see how life unfolds. Okay, So I just can't harp on that enough that while these are stages of spiritual development, I don't want you to view them as, you know, bad to good or right and wrong or evil and holy and any of that stuff. It's it's just where we are. And our job as people, if we don't want to experience drama and we want to feel connected and at peace and safe and secure, is to just grow through the stages. And so today I just I just want to I want to explain them to you. I want to expose you to them just so you can think about them. I mean, today you may or may not do anything with the information that I have. I mean, you might want to work with me um, to have a larger conversation about letting go of some things that have happened to you in the past that have made it very difficult for you to trust. I mean, that's what I do with my clients, really. Um, You know, I don't have conversation with my clients about where to go to meet someone. That doesn't matter where you go. If you have trust issues, does it matter where you go? (laughs) You're not going to trust anyone no matter where you meet them, right? So it's way more important to deal with your trust issues first. And and then we can talk about where to go. But you sort of have it. You need to have an open, available heart before you talk about where do I meet someone. And most people's hearts are not open and they're not available because the past, to some degree, is still happening in them, right? So perhaps after this podcast, you might want to follow up with me and maybe deal with some things that have happened in the past that, have, that are keeping your heart closed, you know, to let them go. But others of you might hear this, and I just want you to, I just want you to sit with it. I just want you to wonder about it. I just want you to look in the mirror with it, Um and just self-reflect and ask yourself, you know, try to be honest with yourself. Am I a stage one person in regards to trust or am I stage two or stage three? Like, where am I? And what might I need to do to continue my journey in this, in this regard? Okay. All right. So um, having laid that groundwork, um, I want to say this. Because I talked about what are we trusting in, and there's three different things you can trust in. What we are trusting in not only determines the degree to which our hearts will be open and available, but it also determines the amount of fear, anxiety, and worry we will experience in our lives. In other words, this conversation about trust is about relationships, but it's about way more than that. It's about 
your internal sense of stability. It's your internal tranquility or lack thereof. Because you can set aside relationships and and recognize that we all deal with anxiety and worry and fear and, right? I mean, anxiety and worry and panic attacks. And I mean, there's, you know, these are so normal. I mean, so many, so many of us are on Xanax or different things to help us sleep because of the amount of anxiety and fear and worry that, that can really impact our lives. So what we're going to talk about here is not only going to help you open your heart to a relationship, but it might help you sleep better. <laughs> it might help you deal with just that general sense of anxiety or tension. It might help you worry less. Okay. All right. So let's jump in here. Let me tell you about stage one trust. Here's the phrase. I use it in my book. Stage one is I trust you, right? This is the most common, most conventional kind of trust. It's at least 95% of everybody on the planet. When they think about trust, it's based on the other person's behavior and character, right? In the first stage, people make trust a function of the other person's behavior and character, In other words, it would sound like, I'll trust you if you behave in a trustworthy way. If you you don't behave trustworthy, I won't trust you. Obviously, right? I'll trust you if your words and actions are aligned. You know, if you do what you say and say what you'll do. If you don't do that, I won't trust you. I'll trust you if you demonstrate through your actions, that you care about me, that you genuinely are interested in me, then I'll trust you. You follow me? Now, this this perspective has got to make perfect sense to you. It, It will make perfect sense really to anyone because that's the conventional way people talk about trust. It's just based upon the other person's behavior and character. It's about their actions. It's about the demonstration of kind of who they are, right? But here's the thing. Have you noticed people are unpredictable? In other words, even if somebody has demonstrated that they've been trustworthy in the past, can you ever be sure of what they will or won't do in the future? I mean, didn't you didn't you trust someone in the past? Maybe you had a relationship. Maybe you were married in the beginning. Oh, I trust this person. And then they cheated on you. Right? So here's an insight for you. If you're a stage one person, which almost all of us are, and I just want to invite you, you probably are stage one. Okay. <laughs> It would be rare for someone to be listening to this podcast that wasn't. So I don't know for sure if that's true of you, but I want to invite you, don't lie to yourself here, right? Don't overestimate yourself. Here's the thing. If you are a person who says, I trust you, or my trust is based upon the other person's character and behavior, notice that you will never really feel secure in that relationship. Think about that. You can never really feel secure. Why? Well, because people are unpredictable. You will always live with some measure of anxiety and worry because you can't predict what someone's going to do in the future. Even they can't predict it. I mean, I could tell you right now that I don't think my wife w- will cheat on me in the future. But I don't know that for sure. And neither does she. She doesn't know what she's going to feel. She doesn't know what what could happen between the two of us or 
what experiences she might have. There, you know, since we don't know the future, since we're not psychic, and since human beings are unpredictable, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that we've all haven't we all done things that we're, we look back and say, I, I never would have thought I would have done that, or I I never thought I would have said something like that, <laughs> or I never thought I would have made a choice like that, and then you did, right? If you're honest with yourself, you can look back on a lot of things you did in high school or college or in relationships or at work or something and like, man, I never never thought I would do that, but I did, right? So we're unpredictable. And then what that means is that you're living with a person that is fundamentally untrustworthy because of it, because they're human. So when you when you are this normal conventional person that says my trust is based upon the other person's behavior and character well you're you never get to feel very secure you never get to really relax okay does that make sense to you it's actually perfectly logical but it gets worse if trust is dependent on a person's behavior or character you won't be able to meet a new person with a with an open, available heart. How could you? You don't know them yet. Right? So therefore, during those first few crucial conversations or dates, you know, when a meaningful connection is being explored, you'll carry an energy that says, I don't trust you. Not yet anyway. You have to earn it. And nothing is more unattractive and a bigger turnoff than a guarded, suspicious heart. So, step back and look at this now. This is probably the way you view trust. It's the way you would see it on television. It's the way most people in psychology and psychiatry would tell you. Um, It's going to be in all the movies and magazines. And this is the conventional wisdom that your trust is based on the other person's trustworthiness. Are they trustworthy? Trust them. If they're not trustworthy, don't trust them. But when you start to think about it, all that you could base your trust in is what they've done in the past because you don't know what they're going to do in the future and they're unpredictable. So first, you never get you, you can never feel really secure. And secondly, because your trust is based on the other person's character and behavior, you can't start trusting someone the minute you meet them. You you have to wait until you get to know them, then you can trust. Do you follow me? If it's based on their character, well, then you have to know their character. If it's based on their behavior, then you have to have a little history with them and then you then you can really grow in trust. Then your trust can kind of be activated because they're demonstrating to you that you can trust them. But that means you're starting from a place that I don't trust you because I don't know you. And I'm telling you, people can feel that. People can feel that you're starting from a place that you have to earn my trust. Now, I don't want to say like, that phrase, you have to earn my trust in some sort of pejorative, nasty, you know, horrible way. Um, I don't want it to sound that way. It's quite normal and natural from the conventional perspective that we just met each other. Of course, I don't trust you. I don't know you. Right? It makes perfect sense from this way of seeing the world that it's based upon trust is based upon the other person. But that other person can feel that you might have them at arm's length waiting for them to demonstrate enough for you. That you might be going through life with your arms crossed across your chest in kind of a protective way. That you're a little guarded. That you're careful. That you have a cautiousness. That that you're kind of keeping your eyes open. You know, like you're you're watching, you're paying attention. You're trying to see, do you do what you say you're going to do? Are you misrepresenting yourself? Are you on the up and up? Do you have an agenda? You know, what are you really about? 
What are you really interested? You just want to get in my pants? Are you just after my money? You know, so I'm starting from this place that I don't trust you because I don't know you, right? And I'm just saying, people can feel that. They can feel that you're holding them accountable for somebody else's actions. Because the only reason you don't meet somebody with an open, available heart is because you've been hurt in the past. And you've been taught, oh, wait a minute, you can get hurt, you can get betrayed, you can be abandoned, abused, deceived, ghosted, gaslighted, and that stuff is alive in you, so you're not trusting from the get-go. You don't meet somebody with your arms wide open. You're not meeting someone with a spontaneous, playful, vulnerable heart. You're not meeting someone believing that they are who they say they are. That they're a good person and they have good intentions. That's not where you're starting from. You're starting from, I don't know you. And because I've been hurt, I'm a little suspicious about what you might be up to. And so in a sense, you're, you're in that menage a trois from hell. Your past is in between you and this new person. And I'm telling you, the new person can feel it. And he's, he or she is going to be turned off by it. Like I, I often joke, that I've never seen a person bring a sledgehammer to a new date, to a first date. They don't want to break down your walls. I'm sorry. If you've got walls, okay, bummer. They're not my fault. And I sort of don't want to put my energy into breaking them down. I don't want to prove myself to you. I don't have to prove myself to you, right? I'm going to go to that girl over there. Or that guy over there has got their arms wide open. They want to dance. They want to play. You're over here sort of wanting me to earn your openness. And it's going to turn people off. So when you have this, I trust you, which mentality, which everyone does, you are actually sabotaging yourself and keeping yourself single. Or at least you're keeping the good people away from you. There are some people who will be turned on by the opportunity to prove themselves to you to break down your walls. It is like you're some sort of project and they get some sort of ego thrill by trying to prove that they're a good person or that. But but the real healthy individuals, life is way too short for that nonsense. I want to be with someone who, who just wants to start from an, an open, available heart and let's play, and let's get to know each other and let's see if we've got a connection and some compatibility and let's make a life together. Uh the, the 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 deeper grounded people don't want life to be more difficult than it has to be. But the people that are in this kind of trust, I trust you, are in a difficult place. They're making life difficult for themselves, for people they meet. Because they're viewing trust as being based on or derived from or a function of the other person's character and behavior. Okay, so that's, I just want you to ask yourself, is that you? Aren't aren't you in that category? Now, I've described it in pretty graphic ways. Maybe maybe I'm having the thought right now, maybe I made it sound a little too harsh, so nobody wants to identify with that because it makes you feel bad or wrong. And that's why I said it's not bad or wrong. But I kind of want to I kind of want to get through to you and maybe have your eyes open up a little bit like, okay, that's me. Yeah. Um, my trust is based upon other people's behavior and their character. But maybe you've never recognized the unintended consequences of that is you never get to feel secure and you're going to chase away good people because you're starting from a place of, I don't trust you, which is just not sexy. It's just not inviting to a good person. Okay, so believe it or not, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> this, this is going to rock your world. The goal is not to learn to trust a person. So we're talking about a learning to trust again. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to help you learn how to trust a person again. In fact, I hope your painful past has taught you never to do that again. The idea here is never to trust a person because they are fundamentally untrustworthy. Not because they're bad or they're evil, they're members of ISIS or 
you know, the Ku Klux Klan or something goofy like that. No, it's because they're human and they're unpredictable. So they are fundamentally, by definition, untrustworthy because you don't know what they're going to do or feel or think or believe in the future. So the idea here is not to trust a person again. It's actually the opposite, to recognize, oh no, no, I'm never going to trust a person again because they're just a person. Now, once you start to see that, okay, you know, like, well, then how do I have trust if it's not in them? Well, stage two is I trust me. I trust me. This means that I trust myself to be okay, regardless of what other people do or don't do. Now, this is a pretty rare person that has understood the untrustworthiness of normal human beings and turned their trust into something more solid, something more predictable. So maybe this is within 4% of people on the planet, maybe. And for these people, the sense of security, of safety, does not come from what, what anybody else is doing out there, their character and behavior. It comes from what I know to be true about me in here. And what I know to be true is that I'm okay, and I will be okay, regardless of what anybody says or does. I'm not trusting them, I'm trusting myself. Now this brings a level of inner stability that a stage one person never gets to experience. There's a level of stability here when I'm just trusting, okay, you're going to do what you do. You're going to make choices based upon your background, your conditioning, your state of consciousness. You're, you're going to do what you're going to do. And But my trust in this whole process, my ability to feel safe, my ability to feel some security is not coming from you. It's coming from the awareness that in, inside of me, that I'll be okay no matter what you do. So, like I said, I could tell you that my wife is a person of integrity. I mean, if I wasn't, if she, if she wasn't that way, I wouldn't be with her. But I don't really trust her. You know, I do believe it's pretty unlikely she would cheat on me. But she, you know, she is fundamentally unpredictable. Even she doesn't know what she'll do in the future. But I can be in the, I could be at peace with all that. I can be sort of secure with all that unpredictability because I know that no matter what she does, I'm okay. So my sense of security does not come from a belief in her trustworthiness. It comes because I trust me. Now, does that mean that nothing can break my heart? Nothing can hurt me? That nothing can make me sad? Nothing can make me grieve? Right? Does that mean nothing can break my heart? No. It just means that I know nothing can break me. You can't break me. I'll be okay. Yes, I'll feel feelings. Yes, it'll break my heart. If my wife cheated on me, it would crush me, right? But it, but it won't break me. It, it won't be, because I'm trusting that she's going to do what she's going to do. That She's acting according to her needs and her way of seeing the world and her emotional makeup and her understanding of life and what she needs to survive and so forth. She, she's doing what makes sense to her. And while it might hurt, it won't break me. Now, you might think that trusting yourself turns into having some sort of calloused or cynical view of people and relationships. No, no, no. Just the opposite. When I can rest in the fact and look at the world and to, to look at any woman or any relationship, and I know that you're going to do whatever you're going to do, that I can't control you, and, and you're unpredictable, you don't even know what you're going to do. When I recognize the impermanence of life, we're kind of getting into a, a kind of a, a Buddhist understanding here, right? The Buddha really recognized life is impermanent. It's always changing. Nothing's predictable. It's always changing. So 
partners are always changing. They're unpredictable. It's you're impermanent. Well, that would make you, well, then you can never be secure. You can never be at rest. You can never really be at peace. But that's only true if you're standing on things that are changeable. (laughs) If my feet are planted on my wife, I'm not going to be very secure because she's unpredictable. But if my feet are planted, like I know that no matter what you do, I'm going to be okay. I'm okay. Then it doesn't make me cynical or calloused. In fact, it allows me to open my heart. Like I'm not afraid of your unpredictability. I don't, I don't need you to demonstrate your character and your trustworthiness. I can open my heart right on the very first date. I can be vulnerable and playful and spontaneous, even though I don't know you from Adam. Because no matter what you do, you can't really hurt me. I mean, you might hurt my feelings. It might bum me out if you ghost me. You know, and, and I might be sad, but you're, you can't really hurt me because I'm not trusting you. My trust and my sense of security and stability comes that I know that I'm okay and I'll be okay no matter what you do. Okay? When you get this, you get you become more comfortable in your skin. The guardedness drops. The suspicion drops. Why do I need to be guarded? You can't hurt me. Not, not really. Right? But here's another part of this. The other part of I trust me is that I'm trusting that I'm going to learn from everything and everyone that life puts in my past. So not only am I going to be okay, that I can survive anything. Not only do I recognize whatever you do is not personal. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about the way you see the world. It's about your state of consciousness. It's about the way you're raised. It's about your personality. It's about your choices. It's not about me, right? I did a podcast recently on the fear of rejection. That was one of the major ways you get over the fear of rejection is you recognize rejection is not personal. Believe it or not, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with them, right? So the stage two person says, I trust me and I'll be okay no matter what you do. But also my perspective in stage two is I'm going to use whatever happens as a way to learn, as a way to grow. Everything that happens is going to be good for me. It's going to be, a, it's going to be adding to my wisdom and to my evolution. Michael Singer said this. He said, your experience is perfect. It's just what you need. Every person, experience, condition, or circumstance is exactly what you should have and what you need. So experience it fully, go through it, learn from it, appreciate it. Do you see the perspective? Whatever anybody does in your life, whatever occurs, whatever happens, you can learn from it. You might learn, you know, you might learn more about making clear agreements. You might learn more about what it means to take responsibility and not blame. You might learn more about being candid or feeling your feelings or how to source your needs from within. See, other people's actions or decisions, while potentially very painful, are seen as an opportunity for me to grow in self-awareness. Right? And that's what a stage two person's all about. I just want to grow. So you're going to be in my life And I'm not trusting you. I'm just trusting you're going to be who you are. But whatever happens, it won't break me. And I'm going to learn from it. I'm just going to become a better person. You know, one of the things I've heard Michael Singer say, and it makes perfect sense. He's like, the more things that you've been through, sort of the wiser person that you are. Like, if you've never been through a divorce, you're not as wise as a person who has never been through it. Or that, that has. If, you, if you've never been through cancer and gone through chemo, you don't know things that those people do. You see what I'm saying? So the more experiences you have, the wiser person you become. You just have a wider experience in life. 
It's like the the person who grows up in a little town in Kansas and never gets further than three miles away from their home is just not going to be as wise, I don't care how many books they read, as a person who's traveled all over the globe. Do you follow me? So the more things you experience, they can just make you wiser. You learn more. You evolve. You grow. And you can look at all the pain in your past and say, yeah, it was really painful. Um, but it sort of made me who I am. It, it, I really learned a lot from those things. And this is why on the, on the deep spiritual levels, there's a, there's a commitment called seeing everyone and everything as an ally. Everything's your ally. Even people who have meant to hurt you or did hurt you, you get to frame them as allies if you see that, you know what, without that person, I could never have learned the lesson that I did. Yeah, it was painful. And yeah, I might have, I might have preferred not, not to live that, not, not to have that experience and learn that lesson, but you did. Life obviously thought you needed to learn that lesson with that person. That's the commitment of stage two. It's like, I trust me to be okay and to learn from anything. So the motto is sort of for a stage two person, I trust you to be exactly who you are and do exactly what you do. And whatever that is, I'm going to use it for my growth and learning as a person. I trust that you will always do and decide according to your level of consciousness. And no matter what that is, I'll be okay. Now, some people hear that and they're like, does that mean my life is going to be filled with people who lack integrity and I can't trust them and I'm going to be a doormat and get taken advantage of? No, not at all. You really do get to choose who, you, who, who is in your life and who isn't. If people demonstrate that they're morons, that they can't keep agreements, you know, that, that they're not trustworthy, get rid of them. I don't care if they're part of your family. Nobody says you have to include untrustworthy people in your life. So being a stage two person saying, I trust me to learn from whatever doesn't mean you don't set boundaries. It doesn't mean you don't put an end to some relationships. It's just that as you set a boundary and as you might end a relationship, you're not seeing that person really as your enemy. You know, you don't want them in your life. Because they operate by different values and different commitments. But you recognize I've learned some things that only that person and that relationship could have taught me. In fact, they taught me about the necessity of boundaries. It's like, woo, thank you. They've taught me about the necessity and 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 that it's okay to surround myself with people who I can trust, right? So that's just an important thing for you to recognize that when you're a stage two person, that I trust me and I trust I'm going to be okay and I'm going to learn from whatever happens, that doesn't mean you don't end relationships. I've ended a number in my life. But with all of them, I do see them as my ally. Now, some of you out there might really operate by Christian principles. You might say, is, is this biblical? Hell yes, it is. Remember that? Was, was it in, was it in um, Job? Or, or maybe it was it, uh, maybe in Genesis with the story of Joseph and being sold into slavery. The phrase was something like, you meant it for evil, God used it for good. Right? Somebody could do something to mean it for evil for you, but you... Life, God, you can use it for good. Oh, I'm going to grow because of this. You meant to hurt me. You know, you did hurt me. But I'm okay and I'm a better person because of it. I'm a smarter person because of it. I've learned about boundaries or agreements or sourcing from within or feeling feelings or, you know, communicating with candor. You follow me? All right. So, once you've seen that sourcing a sense of security and inner stability from another person gives you neither, and once you've learned to relax in the awareness that you will be okay no matter what anyone does, then you're ready for the, the big crossover, the big evolutionary jump. 
And that is where you simply let go of everything and you just trust. You trust life. Stage one is I trust you and you're vulnerable and insecure because of it. Stage two is I trust me. Okay, that's better. You're on more solid ground because you'll be okay no matter what anybody does. You're a survivor and you're going to learn and become a better person because of it. Okay, great. But then there's stage three, I trust life or call it God or the quantum field or the source or the universe or whatever the hell word you want to use that describes something that's beyond words. Stage three people trust, period. They trust life. But even though this stage is what all the ancient scriptures, I don't care if they're Jewish scriptures, Christian scriptures, Islamic scriptures, Hindu scriptures, Buddhist scriptures, I don't care what kind of scriptures, only about 1% of people, and and I may be being generous, only about 1% of people truly experience a completely untethered soul where they are just let go and I am surrendered into life itself. And I just trust that whatever happens, I'm okay. That whatever occurs, it's exactly what life wants for me. That I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be having the experiences I'm supposed to have. See, most people are still holding on to something. Other people, themselves, their money, their beliefs, rather than letting go of everything and trusting life completely. To experience this stage is to live without fear. (laughs) Without fear. Without fear of rejection, without the fear of loss, without the fear of being hurt, without the fear of death, without the fear of anything. And this really only becomes possible when you choose to see that life is for me. Here's what I want to talk to you about these three stages, and I want to put it in a little phrase that might stick with you, okay? There's three stages here, and all three point to three ways of looking at life, three ways of being, and they could be called to me, by me, or for me. Life You know, life happens to me, by me, or for me. Or trust can be seen as to me, by me, for me. But let's talk about this for me thing for a minute. Uh, My friend Jim Defmer, who I've interviewed on this podcast, in his book, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, here's what he says about this kind of trust. Einstein said that the most important question is, is the universe friendly? He went on to say that if it is, then about 99% of everything we do is a waste of time because most of our lives are spent reacting to the world as though it was unfriendly. Stage three people understand this not as a belief, but as an experience in their bodies. They have a fundamental trust that the universe is for them. Right? So now stage one people have a a victim mindset, a a to-me mindset, meaning their ability to trust and feel secure is based on or is at the effect of the other person's character and behavior. You follow me? The victim mentality means that I am at the effect of something. When I'm a victim, I'm at the effect of. When it comes to trust then, the to-me mindset, the victim mindset around trust is I'm at the effect of, my trust is at the effect of your behavior and character. Follow me? Stage two people have a a by me or a creator mindset, meaning their ability to trust and feel secure comes comes from within themselves. They create it. I'm not at the effect of you. I'm creating from within me a sense that I'm okay and that I'm going to learn from whatever happens. But stage three, people, stage three people have a for me mindset. It's like a surrender mindset. They see the universe as being inherently friendly and therefore they simply surrender 
into into what one author H A H Almas calls basic trust. By basic trust, he means just this trust in life. This this I trust. Here's what he said in his in his book. Um, I believe the book is um, oh I don't know what I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, but I quote him in my book, and I know it's listed there. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's in a book called Facets of Unity, okay, by A. A. H. Almas. Okay, <laughs> kind of stumbled over that. But here's what he says about this stage three trust. He said, basic trust is this non-conceptual implicit trust or confidence that whatever is optimal will happen. The sense that no matter what happens, all is well and will be well. It's the confidence that reality is ultimately good, that nature, the universe, and all that exists is for you, that its very nature is trustworthy. If basic trust informs your experience, your psyche is relaxed, your soul is at peace with itself, your situation, even your relationship status, you rest in the unquestioned confidence that the universe provides that you have and will receive what you need and that everything is workable. Do you follow me there? So now imagine the difference this kind of trust would have on your life. Wouldn't the for me mindset change your perspective on your past? And wouldn't the for me mindset free you from any worry about a future relationship and what might happen? Wouldn't your heart be wide open and available? If you trusted life was for you, right? See that? See how beautiful this is? If life happens to you, oh, there's no trust. Oh, it's going to be really a lot of drama in that. If life happens by me, okay, less drama. I'm in charge. You know, I'm choosing to learn from these things. But if life happens for me, well, there's no drama at all. There's no resistance at all. Whatever you do, is exactly what life is bringing. It's what I need. It's it's all good. It's all is well. And all will be well. This, I believe, is what David sensed when in Psalm 23, he wrote, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Like he, he sensed presence. He sensed that's where his trust was. It wasn't in himself. It wasn't in anybody else. It was in something beyond life that can't be touched, that never changes, that never dies, never decays, never has bad days, never, it doesn't, his feelings don't change. It, it's not unpredictable. It's not subject to the law of impermanence. It's just this trust. Right now, what stage are you in? I'll bet you have moments when you just are this open and you're just trusting. And maybe you have some moments where you're feeling like, I'm okay. Even if somebody does something that really hurts, I'll learn from it. I'll grow. I'll survive. But but maybe a lot of us are like, no, we're really stage one. Man, my trust has really been based upon what my friends and family and lovers and people do at work or wherever. So where are you? What stage are you in? And can I help you grow to the next stage? Or can I help you have a larger discussion about your past and you know how to learn from it, how to let go of the emotional residue, and then how to learn to trust again? Mm, I'm here for that. You can see all my info and contact info is in the show notes, right? So if I can help you on this, you know, please let me know. So I just wanted to share those three ways of looking at trust. There are three different stages. And like I said, we all have moments in each, but where are you? Perhaps this is just something to think about and consider and begin to integrate into your life. And I want to wrap up um, by one more quote from my favorite guy, Michael Singer, one of of my favorite sayings of his. (laughs) 
And he says this, you are sitting on a rock spinning around in empty space in the middle of absolutely nowhere. This has been going on for billions of years and you'll be here for about 80. Given that, what did you say you were worried about? You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.